Welcome to Inspired by Her, the podcast that will give you the inspiration, motivation, and tips for success from some of the top executives, CEOs, and influencers from around the globe. With your host, serial entrepreneur and named one of the most influential Filipina in the world, Kate Hancock. Hi, everyone. This is Kate Hancock. And today I have my super special guest, Myrna Yao. Hi, Myrna Yao. Hi, Kate. Hi. So everyone, I've never met someone that has 65 awards, but I'm reading her bio. It's crazy amazing. Everyone, um, Myrna Yao is a multi-awarded entrepreneur and women advocate. Now she is a well-known and successful businesswoman. She is the president and CEO of Rich Prime Global Inc. and Rich World Trading Corporation. Now, a staunch advocate of women's economic empowerment, Ms. Mirna Yao served as chairperson of the Philippine Commission on Women from 2004 to 2010. She is the founding chairperson of the Philippine Federation of Local Local Councils of Women and Philipp, Filipino Chinese Federations of Business Women. Now, she's also a recipient of different awards, including the 2015 and 2016 Most Influential Filipina in the World and 2013 International Women Entrepreneurial Challenge Award. Now, in 2020, she won the Global Women Honorary Award. How did you do all that? <laughs> that is my question to myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's it just pretty amazing. Coming. In fact, the, the other awards was not there. Last year, I got the People's Asia Award, mm. and then I got the Shiro Award, and the uh, Entrepreneurial Award from the yes. Asia, uh, Asia Group of a leader, Asia leadership. Yeah. Uh, it's so amazing. And I saw it here and um, you also got the Presidential Merit Award for your success in the field of entrepreneurship by President Gloria Macapagal Arroyo. So mm -hmm. that's so impressive. And I think I saw a photo of you and her in a mm -hmm. boat, in a yacht. <laughs> No, yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> yes. So, Mirna Yao, uh, when did you started? Are are any of your family are in the business world? Tell me. Yeah, we our family are all in business. Actually, I think I got it from my mom because uh, we had a small store in Bicol in, mm. uh, you know, the poorest area at that time in nineteen. 50s, 60s, and I saw her work hard. We have a we're a corporate dealer, you know, and so that's how I look uh, and saw the different women, you know, having a hard time, always making, but trying to borrow money from the store. They don't have enough, mm -hmm. so that is how it worked when I was small, and I tried to help my mom on vacation during vacation. Wow. Now, what was, can you tell me your journey like to get where you are? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a long list of struggles, of mm -hmm. course, because I started as a micro-entrepreneur. 
uh, with the 100 US dollars. Wow. And of course now it's a billion, uh, I mean million dollars, but billion in the Philippines. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't easy. I just had one help when I was a micro entrepreneur. I was trying to sell blouses, everything that I can get, you know. So as a micro entrepreneur, you try to make money where you think is possible, mm -hmm. right? And so when they were asking for the blouses, they cannot find the raw materials. So I had to source the raw materials and from the raw materials with the connections and people that I know, I was able to acquire the materials of acrylic, acrylic yarns. And then from there, I did not sell blouse anymore. I was selling acrylic uh, materials because I, get it in uh, terms of 60 days mm -hmm. while I sell it uh, in cash. So practically, I didn't use much, much capital. Yeah. Capital at all. And then I remember one day that I had to, I had to uh, deliver one truck load of yarns, but I don't own a truck and I don't have a truck. And so you have to be very resourceful, you know. So what I did, I saw a truck there delivering the cartoons. And I talked to the driver. I said, where is your way going back? He said, oh, this is the way. Oh, that's where I'm going to deliver my, my, you know, it's on the way. Can you just please load my acrylic yarns and, and deliver it, you know? So... I said, I can give you some money and even the company, I can pay some money as long as you deliver this. It won't take too much time. Maybe loading and loading will be one hour. That's the most it can do. And so you have to be resourceful, especially as micro-entrepreneur. You don't spend so much. You always have to calculate your expenses versus your income. And so I was earning more than my husband already after one year. So that's how I started and, you know, put together my capitalization while I was having my master degree mm -hmm. and having children one after another. I have three daughters <laughs> and I was, uh, you know, working, so taking care of them. And it's, it's really a lot of work. Wow. Wow. I, I'm not sure, Mirna, can you see? I think I, your camera got half yeah. off. I want to make sure that I'm seeing you clearly. Wow. That's amazing. Now from a hundred dollars or 5,000 peso, you mm -hmm. grew it into a multi-million dollar business, US dollar. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. amazing. And what, what, what year was that when you were selling that acrylic yarn? It was 74 to about 78. Wow. About and four to five years. Four to five years yeah. time. And do you still have that business? Uh, then I went into Goodyear Tires. When I went okay. into Goodyear, I distributed Goodyear. I still have that business until 2005 because the acrylic didn't sell much anymore by, by about 2005. So mm -hmm. I stopped it. But by the year two, 1982, uh, 1979, I had Goodyear, and uh, I became the biggest 
distributor of Goodyear in two years' time, and I'm the only woman. And it was a challenge for me because they're all men. And they said, how can a woman make it during recession when we men are having a hard time? And so I, I had my technique, you know. So, <laughs> so what, was was that? what was that, that technique? technique? Yes, oh, okay. tell me. Because uh, I was the one who helped my father when I was 21 years old in the commodity trading. Mm-hmm. And, but we are from Bicol. And I was able to put our company in the top 350 companies in the Philippines at the time. Uh, and so I was doing strategies. I was uh, actually uh, doing chart for the up and down of the market because it's like a stock market, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to learn. But I'm the only woman again. They're all men and old men because, you know, in commodity trading, you have to be very wise and fast. And, you know, when we trade, we just trade by phone. One phone call, I sell this, you know, it's no papers. It's all, you know, and your mind had to think fast. Fast, and, yeah. And they were all looking at me because, number one, I'm only 21 years old. Number two, I'm a woman. So what can a woman and a 21 years old do in a market like this? We deal by millions. One call is equivalent to how many millions. So you cannot... My father just trusted me, you know. So I was uh, I was having a good batting average, and um, many of them, the old man traders, are trying to help me because mm. I would say, "Oh, please help me! I don't know this, I don't know that." So everybody is guiding me, you know. So I was so, as a woman, I had the advantage and a young woman at that. So everybody feel like I'm so innocent. So they want to guide me. They want to help me. That was my advantage. And from there, I used that technique in dealing with tires. Mm-hmm. You know my secret, what I did? I will ask Goodyear, what will not be produced the next month? Mm-hmm. And when they tell me these sizes will not be produced, I will take thousands of it, all of it. Mm. So the next month, I'm the only one who has, and then I'm the only one who sells. It's like a long and short uh, strategy of yeah. selling and buying, you know. In the stock market, you do that. So I use that in tires, and nobody knows uh, that, uh, that technique because I came from the commodity trading, you know. So then we, but in two years' time, I became big, and Goodyear says they they control my deliveries, and I felt like, why are you controlling my deliveries? I still need to grow. This is not up to here, you know. I I want to reach higher, and but they control my deliveries. So I told my husband, I said, I think this is our peak it cannot go higher because our deliveries are being controlled. So I have to look for another business. And she, he said, what business do you like? Oh, I love children. I want something to do with children uh, because that is my passion. When I was small, I will teach children uh, for the Bible studies. I will 
I really just love children. And so, so there, Mattel has, has a factory here for export mm -hmm. and uh, they're only producing Barbie dolls and nothing else. And at that time you cannot import toys because it's considered luxury item. So you can only get uh, from a local source and Mattel is, is an exporter, but they are allowed to have that incentive of 30% to sell locally. So I knock on their door and then after two years, uh, they have to, to uh, uh, you know, interview uh, who will be the right distributor in the Philippines. And so I was able to get it actually big big retail stores are vying for it like you know rusta national i'm the only small one the smallest one and i was able to get it probably because of my passion because of my plan because of what i told them i can do and there the then from there i was able to open the toy industry in the philippines because the first day i offered barbie nobody would like to buy it they said we only sell toys during christmas so mm -hmm. you just come back christmas we don't sell and i was i said to myself what my gosh you mean if the philippine has no toy section in the yeah. department store none so i said i have to do something about this so i told my 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 you know my salespeople. i said you don't go out today I will lecture you and I will tell you what to do. Said so then you go back tomorrow because what happened with you, because they're so discouraged. They said, Mom, we have to go back uh December or holiday season because that is how they sell toys. I said, You cannot do that. And then I have to teach them what to do. I had to and then the following day they got orders, two pieces, four pieces. <laughs> That's small, you know. And I, what I did, I had to pass through uh, a path where less people, you know, take. And that is, I advertise on TV. TV. And nobody would dare advertise toys on TV because number one, it's not you don't have a toy section, right? Yeah. Number two. People will not prioritize toys. They prioritize necessities. Toys for them at that time is considered luxury. Right. It's like perfume. So nobody will buy. But I took that risk. Wow. So being the first one, uh, being the first one to, to advertise on TV, it made the difference. So orders keep on coming because children are looking for it. And uh, so I had a toy section in the department store even before Christmas. Yeah. Wow. And Barbie grew from there. That's amazing. Okay. Let me talk about the Goodyear experience. I love how you weren't complacent when you know the, uh, the company is controlling your supplies and most people or entrepreneur would be happy with that that's okay with me but you said you know what i need to move on because mm -hmm. you're not dependent with yes. them yes mm -hmm. and now you're in this in this barbie doll barbie toy um business which a lot of filipino or business owner think it's a seasonal item but you're so ahead of the game that you know you can sell it every day yeah 
because I believe in the product. Yeah. Right? And so, I love children. I know how they feel. Oh, I love. So do you think that was why they chose you over the big retail is your passion. They got to be something else from you. It's my passion. I, I went there. I had the plan. I had, I, I was showing them what I can do for Barbie, but you know, the others, they will just put it in their store. Right. But Mm -hmm. there's no marketing uh, support there, but I had the very big marketing uh, ideas that I, I know I can do for Barbie. You know, I have three girls. So I <laughs> so having three girls, I should know, right? Yeah, yeah. So now what are your top brands that you're selling? I know you covered a lot. That's yeah, I mean, so, so did you dominate that whole market in the whole Philippines? The toys is yours? Yes, yes. yes. That's I, amazing. Yeah. And um the only reason probably that I cannot get all because some of the companies are competitors, so they cannot give me everything or else, you know, we are the biggest distributor. But now, of course, the others came in like Lego and they cannot give in because give it also because, you know, we have mega blocks and other, you know, competitive items. So, but I expanded the market to to a uh, wider children range, like shoes, shoes for children, baby products like Kiko, uh, Mm -hmm. Pigeon, all this. um, Well, at that time we also had safety first, but now we have uh, all the juvenile items. Mm -hmm. So Chico is Kiko, Uh, they pronounce Chico, Mm -hmm. Kiko, right? And uh, it has expanded. And but I still maintain the tires. We're still getting lots of awards from Goodyear, and because it is my uh, my policy that I don't want to take any business is if I'm going to kill another business. Mm. I want to get another business where I can grow both, not not to kill another one. It has to be both. So we were the first company who had two competitor business in baby products. Pigeon and Kiko were with us, and they're both competitors. So uh, we're actually we became big because of uh, the different companies that uh, came to us because they saw what we're doing. You know how we are doing our marketing, and toys marketing is very important. So we now have the Spin Master line, Paw Patrol. Uh, Justice League, uh, all, so many other brands, Chopkins, all the children, what the children wants, we have it. And, and uh, it has expanded now to games and also to um, collect collectibles because right now collectibles are very important even for adults. Like they collect Hot Wheels, they collect wow. uh, the the small items and they collect also dolls, the Barbie. And it was difficult because, you know, they said Barbie is just, you know, a toy that you cannot do a lot. But I I introduce it differently. I introduce it like it will teach your kids how to put the dress together because they can take care of Barbie like a little sister that they will uh, fold their clothes, 
fix their shoes. So they learn how to do it for themselves. And so I taught them the orderliness, the, the, you know, the, the work, because, you know, people who can afford Barbie have uh, maids, right? They have yayas, so they cannot, they don't really work for, the, for themselves. But through Barbie, we are teaching them. Yeah, so absolutely. it was an advantage. Oh my God, I don't think I remember. I, Mirna, I grew up in Kamigin Island in uh-huh. Mindanao, yes. And mm. yeah, I grew up in Kamigin and I, we were very poor. I don't even have a Barbie that time now. My cousins has it. But I remember there's some different kitchen stuff. So I didn't know that was yeah. all your ideas. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wow. Now, Mirna, being the chairperson of the Philippine Commission of Women, what did you learn about yourself while being in this position? Actually, my passion was children right Mm -hmm. but when I was praying and getting uh you know trying to discern myself on what really can I do to help other people because that is what I am I really want to help even the the country and God guided me to the women to the mothers God was showing to me that I had to help the mothers first before the children. So I became a president of the National Council of Women of the Philippines. And then that's how I became uh, a commissioner in the Philippine Commission of Women. And then after four years being a commissioner, I was appointed as the chair. It's a minister rank, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so in that instant, the first thing that our president, Gloria Magpagal Arroyo, uh, directed me is to help the entrepreneur and the livelihood of the women of our country, which is just right for me because I'm, I started as a micro-entrepreneur. So I did this great women project. Mm. And we don't take budget in the commission. Our budget is only mostly for the salary of my staff, I have about 65 staff at that time and an office near Malacanang. And I told the president, I said, it's all right, ma'am. I'm going to look for my funds <laughs> and the budget. I'm a businesswoman, I should know, right? Yes. So, yeah, so after putting up together the plan that I had, I remember when I I was trying to ask the funds from the Canadian government and they were asking lots of questions. We were in the boardroom and uh, my people just cannot answer. They were looking at me. So I had to go to the whiteboard and draw it and tell them this is actually very simple because they were saying, it's, it looks so grand. It looks so big. How can you make this happen? I said, actually, it's very simple. This is the layer from the top, the, the local council, the mayor, the governor, the government agencies. And these are the uh, marginalized women. And it would be all over the Philippines. And so only four levels, see, four levels. And it would just go up. And that's simple. That's how simple it is. (laughs) So I got 7 million Canadian dollars fund. 
Wow. For that project. For that I mean, project. Yes. So the president also is very happy. And the other thing that I did is that the Magna Carta law of women has been in Congress for eight years mm. and it's not moving. I said, what? How come we cannot have it pass? What's happening? Oh, they don't, uh, the women probably is not their priority or whatever. It's not that, that you know, important. So I had to talk to the president and ask her if she can prioritize. And she told me, you have to do this. You have to show me this. You have to, I said, well, I can do that. That's not difficult. So I, I tried to get to her what she wants. Mm -hmm. And so the bill was prioritized. And during my term, the Magna Carta law of women was passed. And it benefited the women of our country. Wow. And of course, there are other things that I did, but you know, these are the two important, important things. Uh, yes. Wow, that's wonderful. And which is surprisingly, majority of business owners are women in the Philippines. We're like hustlers. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I because grew up, they work hard. Yeah, they work really hard. And mostly the husband is sitting yes. pretty at home. <laughs> yeah, no, and not only that, when I go to the provinces, the women need to take care of the house, take care of the husband, take care of the business. But the husband, they have all the time to just walk and have and drink and and they're so lucky. That's why they said, if you marry a Filipina, you're a lucky guy because the guy doesn't work so hard. Yes. But in this, probably it's different, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so like I grew up with in a household like that, or that's my environment where the women is the one taking care of everything, the house and trying to hustle. And you see the husband hanging out with friends yes. and then see in the cack fight on Sunday. Yes. Yes. True. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely, we need a lot of support for women entrepreneur for them mm -hmm. to succeed. Yeah. Cause they and do have the capability. To do. Change yeah. the mindset of the man. Like, what can we do with the men? The man has to step up to their plate. You know, I introduced a movement called MOVE, Men's Opposing Violence Against Women. Mm -hmm. And I also introduced that men should help in the house chores. Because in the Philippines, men are not supposed to be in the kitchen, right? They're not even supposed to help. It's, and they should be served by the wife. The wife has been working whole day and still had to serve the husband up to ex the extent of getting the sleeper for them, what they will eat. And it, it's really unbelievable how the women of our country work so hard and they never complain. So that's one thing. It seems like, yeah, this is really me. This is my job. The women, Filipina women are supposed to do this. So you, you cannot complain because everybody is doing it. Yeah, everybody's right? doing it. Yeah. It's so mm -hmm. funny. My husband, as you saw, as white as he is, and a lot of his friends like, oh, you married a Filipina woman. She must cook and do this. Like, oh, no, I married <laughs> the wrong one. <laughs> it's the other way around. <laughs> You're so lucky. 
I think it comes to how do you stand yourself and self worth. Uh huh. I think that's very important, and I'm 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 you know I'm not going to be a submissive or a typical what you expect of me as being an Asian woman. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do my business. And whether you like it or not, that's going to be how it is. If you don't like it, I'm fine. Oh, you're you're uh, the new generation <laughs> women. You didn't stay in Kamigan. After that, you trans, you know, you change. You yeah, yeah. I I grew I, I went to college in Kagandiora, but since I moved in the U.S., you know, I adapt kind of mix. Yes, it's still half and half. In fact, I. I I um I asked my 13-year-old son today. I said, "Hey, why don't you bring your girlfriend here?" I said like, mm. "Oh, she doesn't want to come in because you're a typical Asian woman." So, what do you mean? I said, I said like, "Do you think uh. I'm typical Asian women?" And he said, "You're actually half American and half Asian." I said, "Okay, that's good. I'm good with that. A good balance." <laughs> yeah. Wow. Now, so um, your struggle, your struggle also you did you had lots of the struggle. What yeah. age did you go to the U.S.? I I move out. I move after college. So oh. yeah, I was I was right after college. I move out here, and so I opened my business with twenty dollars, and I scaled mm-hmm. it to a multi million dollar business. Oh, like very good. Thank you. But like you. that is amazing. How you transition yourself from selling you know clothes like acrylic material to goodyear distribution having that big company to trust you and then have dominating in the toys category that is so amazing and so inspiring and the lima licensing at one point had the research in the philippines and they said that barbie is the second most famous single character brand in the philippines first is jollibee and second is barbie wow now are you involved with any other businesses do you invest in other things oh, of course we have real estate we have uh, uh i also opened another company in thailand doing mm. distribution and um Aside from that, uh, we have five companies now, and and so I try to help with my non-government organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, I founded. I also help children. The Pearless Box oh, from US. Okay. Yeah, I was the founding president of Pearless Box in the Philippines, and then I also. Uh, uh, was the charter president of Santa Greater Result too, and we are also in uh, uh, what do you call this? And I'm building a church, a very big church in uh, Bulacan, which is almost all already done. Um, it's it's a Mama Mary Opia church, and there were lots of miracles that happened there, you know. It's on top of the mountain that from you're still going up, you can already see the big church. Wow. So wow. many people go there already. I haven't so been that, there. Yeah, one you have day. to go. Yeah, I will visit one day. Now, mm-hmm. Mirna, can you name a person who has a tremendous impact on you as a leader? Well, Winston Churchill. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. uh, I because when I was young, I always tried to read biographies of mm. uh, uh, successful people, and I I saw that Winston Churchill did not really come from becoming a states person or even trained. He was a soldier, you know, but the her mom saw in him a different path but still serving the country so he he was uh, he really had a lot of idea and the passion also and so he became uh big because of of the of the passion of helping the country and having lots of ideas mm -hmm. and although i'm a woman i believe that even as a woman if you have that kind of passion of service and serving the country, you can still do what Winston Churchill can, you know. So he was like uh, a person for me that is uh, an example that uh, if you read his biography, he, he will be teaching you a lot of ideas also because business when you're in business it doesn't mean that you only know business yeah you can i i was yeah i was in the master class of the global woman and i told them everything that you do you have to ask four questions how you know where what I, and the first thing is what what is for vision what's your vision don't do anything without the vision you have to have a vision even though it's big vision it's all right mm -hmm. you have to have a vision number two is what uh what and then where means your direction number two is where where is direction where is your vision going what do you want to do with your vision you have to have a very clear direction and the third is action that is how how is action meaning you have to act to make your vision and your direction work. And the fourth is timeline. You have to have a timeline because if you don't have the timeline by the 10th year or the 20 years, you're still not there, you know? And during the timeline, it may not happen, but if you pass through the timeline, it means that you have to review and see where your direction is going, whether you have to, to change a little bit or not or readjust but you have to have this four as an entrepreneur or even when i was in ngo and the government i have a vision already what i want to do and i applied this four and that's how i became successful in everything that i do and just imagine people are asking me you're a how can you finish all of this? You know, you have NGOs, you have business, you have children. I'm, you're, now I'm taking my doctorate degree at my age. So how can you finish all of this? I said, if your direction is clear, your people will be cleared also in what they're doing. It is you who know what they're supposed to do. And if you tell them this is the things that you're supposed to do, then you have you know, you can delegate. You yeah. have people who will do it for you. So everything that you do has to have a plan. 
you had this have this strategy. Wow, wow. Now, how did you manage being in the entrepreneur entrepreneur world and you're involved in the government? Now, how do you put that leadership in place? Because it's hard to lead people in the government. They have a different mindset and a different with your employee. How did you handle all of that? You are very, you know, you got the, uh, the, got the bullseye, <laughs> the bullseye of that question. So when I entered the government, my staff are a little bit, you know, oh, how, what does she know? She doesn't know anything. She's a burgess, you know, <laughs> she's, she's from the rich, you know, level. So how should she know what, what's to do here? Actually, it's not really what you know. You have to earn the respect of your people. You don't push them to do things without respect. So I had to prove to them. And I understand, you know, for me, it's given. I know that it will happen like that. So I prepared myself. I studied, I read, I did a lot of, you know, uh, even... Uh, interviewing other people in the government. So I had to earn the respect of my people. And I gave myself, I gave myself six months time. All of them will already be in the direction that I want. I had one problem with the person in charge of, uh, uh, I would say, the top level. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I said, it's, you know, you have to follow my vision. You have to listen to me. If you cannot listen to me, either I had to let you go or not. And she told everybody, chair, are you really willing to let her go? And I said, I told her that. And it's not from me. You can ask her because it has to be one cohesive group. Mm-hmm. If one cannot work with you, you have to take her out or else you will not succeed. So you have to be, you know, determined and at the same time, you should know and your people should know what business is important to make things happen, right? Yeah. I love how you gave yourself a six months of the transition stage for them to earn your respect. And because a lot of people, it's too ambitious. They expect it in 30 days. No, it doesn't happen. Human behavior doesn't happen in six weeks time. It takes time. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I remember in the government, most of the things are slow at the time. Maybe not now, but at the time, everything is slow. So when I said, how come this is not done? This is not done. This is not done. It takes a month. It takes two months. You know, in business, it has to... You know, if you can do it tomorrow, you do it tomorrow, right? But it takes months. And so the executive director will say, oh, mom, in government, it's different. You have to be very careful because if you make a mistake, you know, you have to be responsible. And, and she said she, she would be responsible. I said, okay. In everything that you, we, have, we are doing, I give you two weeks. If you cannot make a decision and you cannot proceed in two weeks, 
I take the responsibility, give it to me, I'll do it. But never go beyond two weeks. That is my, my clear, you know, instructions that I don't want delays, you know, because, you know, uh, it makes the commission slow if you do a lot of delays, you know, and how can I get the, the funding from the Canadian government? If, if you are, if your, if your agency or your, your uh, commission is not as efficient as they expect. Yeah. So they have to assess the commission. They have to assess that we are competent, yeah. that we have good people. So that's how we were able to do it. Wow. I could just imagine you sitting in that table because the entrepreneurship world when you want to do it, you get it done instantly. There's yeah. no tomorrow. There's no the next day for you to, you know, warm yourself to have a two weeks of, because that's what they're used to. You must have a lot of patience. Yes, that's true. And I always tell them, you know, what's wrong with you? This is very important, Kate. You have to assess people that you deal with, mm-hmm. even though they're your employees, you have to look at their strengths and their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. In their strength, you develop them. In their weaknesses, you support and even hire somebody to support that weakness if it's a very important position or it's, you know, and, uh, and you know, they, you cannot get a person that's perfect. There's no way, right? Yeah. So you have to assess that. And um, so I always tell them, you know, what's happening in this commission is that too much analysis causes paralysis by the time you finish you know the funding is gone (laughs) it's already paralyzed so i said you have to always think that this is your big mistake too much analysis causes paralysis and sometimes when they analyze the analysis goes already in another path. So too much path to consider that the main objective is not anymore there. It's already wow. in the side sidewalk. That's amazing. Wow. Now, Mirna, yeah, what advice would you give to an aspiring female entrepreneur? Well, number one, the most important think for us women is you yourself. You have to analyze your strengths and your weaknesses and be humble enough to accept if you're weak in that point. Like me, I'm a marketing person. I'm not good in finance, so I get a good finance person. You know, when people when somebody asks me, what can you advise a micro entrepreneur on what is the most important position, the most important person to hire? I said, I cannot answer you that. The first thing is that what is your strength and your weakness? In your weakness, that's the most important person to hire. If you're not good in marketing, you hire a good marketing person. That is also you yourself that you should analyze. Mm-hmm. Everything that you do, look at yourself first. Your determination, like me, I like fashion. At my age, 
you know, I wear anything. If you look at my Facebook, right? And they said, oh, you're nearing 70 years old. How come you're still looking that way? It's your willpower, your determination to look good. Your health mm -hmm. is your priority. It has to be within your lifestyle. You cannot say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it when I retire. Oh, I'll do it. It will never happen. It, will, it has to happen now. Everything has to be now. Mm -hmm. And like me, I think, I, up to the extent I understand the millennials. I'm, I had nine grandchildren. I understand, you know, in every stage that they're doing. And I always teach them and tell them, whatever you see in the computer, whatever you see, you go beyond what you see. That is the only way you can become creative. Wow. Because you don't accept what is in front of you. You go deeper than what is in front of you. And that is my advice to all our viewers. Be creative. Everything that you do. You know, like I'm not afraid to, you know, today I'm wearing my business attire, but if you see me in in you know in the different clothing i do everything i, I remember that. i was w walking in new york and there was a guy i mean the police girl police woman she said mom you walk so elegant and you dress up so elegant and in las vegas there were you know people looking back at me and i said why do you they walk they were walking and they keep on looking back and looking back and look and i said and then i have to approach it what can i do for you why is it that you're you keep on looking at me and said oh because mom you dress so well oh they don't say mom i mean because you dress so well and we cannot stop looking at the way you carry yourself <laughs> imagine oh, you know i i love having those compliments right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, I've, I've seen your plitted, um, very French um, dress and with your hat. So I saw it. It's, it's, do what, you know, I love that. You're 70. It doesn't stop you. I mean, do what you love to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mirna, I have to ask you this question now that I know that you're a strong marketer. Mm -hmm. Do you still rely on television? Is that still the biggest uh, drive for your traffic as far as the um, the kids toys section or are you utilizing the social media now uh, now 50% is social media before television is about 100% then became 80 90 now we have to be online YouTube Facebook all of this so our marketing we have a our digital marketing person is very important because you know the transition from the the TV and the in-store uh, promotions, everything become digital now, especially during lockdown. Yeah. So it's very important, uh, especially for toys. Marketing is important. So we are using a lot of uh, YouTube and all these social media. So we also deal with bloggers, mm -hmm. we deal with, um, uh, and the TV now also, they have a package for social media, not only, not only TV, because of course their business will be affected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's wonderful. Well, Mirna, how do you want to be remembered? Oh, I only want to be remembered serving God, serving the Lord. I said, maybe when I retire, my whole life will all be just serving the Lord, serving God, because I think that is what I was born since I was small. It was my guide. He was there for me and Mother Mary. Wow, I love it. Mirna, thank you so much. There's a lot of great content and amazing advice. I appreciate you and you're so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Have a I wonderful day. Bye. I hope to see you one day in the Philippines. Yeah, or when I go to the US. Yes. Where are you? Okay. Yeah, so I, I still have a place income again. I'll send you the link. Oh really yeah so maybe we'll meet there one day we'll figure it out okay bye bye thank you kate thank you we hope you enjoyed the show don't forget to rate review and subscribe and visit katehancock.com so you don't miss out on the next episode